Hello friends and welcome to episode number 203 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. It's Patrick here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He's Justin out in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Justin, how's your week? How's it been? It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a bit. Uh, been a I've, got, I've got tomorrow off, as I think you do as well, perhaps. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, so uh, I'm, on, I'm in long weekend mode. Just took an extra day. Yeah. Gonna chillax, hang out with my girlfriend a bit. You there know? you go. Just have a nice little sleep in tomorrow and not have to get up for work. Yeah, but sometimes week, you got to just good. punt. Yeah, you know, just punt exactly. the ball down the field and, and take it or, or take a knee, whatever you want to call whatever metaphor you <laughs> want to use and just relax. Yeah. I do it every summer. I'll take, I work on a schedule where I have every second Friday off anyway. So I just stagger vacation days. So yep. rather than take two weeks off in the summer, I just have like, 16 or 17 consecutive four-day work weeks sometimes it's fewer because of the holidays yep. but the idea is to spread out the days off so i working a full five days doesn't just tank me five you know day workings are overrated anyway yeah i know we're i think we're we're as a society we are hurtling closer and closer to four-day work weeks yeah and that's the it's, one good thing that came out of the pandemic is that people realize that you can be just as productive working at home and you can do your job in less time because you're not distracted by people at the office <laughs> yeah so it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of years how things change but you know they say the more things change the more they stay the same and it applies to baseball too uh the toronto blue jays uh some things are good some things are bad um I couldn't think of a wittier transition into baseball talk. <laughs> uh, but if you like what we do here, follow us on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. Go ahead and DM or tweet us your questions. Uh, we're on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Find us at BFMDPodcast.com for a widget that'll play the episode for you so you don't have to download anything. Uh, thanks for taking the time to listen to the episode. Go ahead and leave us a five-star or less review uh on any platform that has reviews and uh, help more people find us yeah yeah all right justin we got a little bit to talk about we're not gonna stat barf the results we got some cool shit to talk about though so uh take us into the the bits and bites before we get into the the meat well, let's just pretty much get right into the meat um ross stripling okay. is on his way back which is great because the blue jays Right. desperately need help in the rotation because yes. one of our players uh, has not been pitching well, who's currently in the rotation. But Stripling is going to make a rehab start on Friday, which is tomorrow yes. from the day we record. And uh, if all goes well, he could rejoin the rotation five days after that, presumably. Um, that's great right. because Ross Stripling has been relatively solid all season. Obviously, he's got a great era his uh, stat cast numbers are are decent he's definitely overperforming what 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 the stats say or what the numbers say he should but some pl some players do that now the jays traded for mitch white from the dodgers at the deadline he made a, a decent start i thought in his time in uh, minnesota see a tough team um and and yeah like he he went four and two thirds innings and gave up three earned runs only walked one batter was it was it was a decent start from a guy that would be like a number five starter on most teams we'll take it very comparable numbers to what stripling has been doing most of the year now the other guy in this conversation is Yusei Kikuchi obviously Blue Jay fans know that he signed a three-year 36 million dollar deal last offseason and uh has not performed up to that level at all like nowhere close when you look at his baseball savant page most of his numbers are the bottom five percent of the league um which doesn't win you many games he's in the fourth percentile for walks because he walks so many he does yeah. strike out a decent amount of people does have great fastball velocity for a lefty but he just isn't able to have consistent command his uh pitch spray charts are kind of all over the place especially with his changeup. And with his slider, there's not really a nice tight red dot. It's just, it's everywhere, man. 
So yep. the conversation we need to have, Patrick, is out of these three guys, there are two rotation spots for them. What happens when, it, let's say, say Stripling's rehab start goes well? Because we don't mm-hmm. want to say it won't, because that would be us wishing him ill, uh, which we will never do to Ross Stripling. He's a friend of the show. Um, yes. Out of these three guys, which two do you think should be in the rotation the rest of the season? Um, this is what, what do you think? Not who will be, first of all. <laughs> I think that if we were to base the decision solely on performance yeah, and not on capability or potential, I don't see how the Jays could not have Ross Stripling and Mitch White in the rotation at this point. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing with Yusei Kikuchi. We've kind of rehashed this a lot over the season. Uh, in terms of what he brings, yeah, like in a vacuum, great potential. Mm-hmm. He has a better-than-average fastball, and the velocity on his slider, changeup, and cutter are, are, are much higher than league average. So there's zip to all of his stuff. Yeah. Uh, his command is, especially on his changeup, is really, really bad. <laughs> his fastball, which he throws about 52% of the time, is a little bit more wild all over the map. It's mm-hmm. not tight. His slider is actually probably his best pitch. Actually, if we get on into the deeper metrics, I think I think he gets more whiffs off his changeup, which is funny because he's so fucking inconsistent <sighs> with it. Yeah. Uh, his numbers his... just don't make sense because he's just been, like you said, so, so all, over, all over the place. He's completely stopped throwing his cutter. Now he's got the 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 slutter, I guess you could say, <laughs> slider cutter hybrid. Yeah. Uh, I wish there was a better name for that, but um, it, even then, he's just having a really hard time. Anything off speed, uh, it's like it's it's like he can't pick the corners. Yeah. He can't. His changeup does get some chases but guys ever since i I think it was the all-star break of last year it's like the book's out on him and he's really easy to defend the plate against as as a hitter i mean if you go up there even uh so like a person off the street could just stand up there and take pitches from him and they probably get a walk because Mm -hmm. he even if you were like okay i'm not going to swing at a single pitch that he throws you the command just isn't there he does he generates a lot of whiffs way more than the average yeah he doesn't get a lot of chases and like i said all of his pitches have zip so in a vacuum you say kikuchi is the ideal left-handed pitcher but his command is so poor this year that it has cost us i think the team is five and 16 or five and 17 when he pitches and you can't, you can't make the playoffs when twenty percent of your rotation is just sandbagging your yeah your ability. Now he's he has improved. He has improved over time. If you look at his past one hundred PAs, he's starting to regress to a an average mean. However, I think it's too late, and I think he needs to be put into the bullpen uh, for bulk when we're <laughs> f- we're out of it. Yeah, in a game like we can't we can't afford to have him start games anymore. It's too much of uh, a risk. He's yeah. he's a liability. Hundred percent. Um, I was I was just looking at some numbers on fan graphs as well, just to kind of compare some numbers between the three of them. I've got all three of their yeah. pages open in front of me. And yeah, you, you, you're definitely really like Kikuchi obviously gets the most strikeouts out of the three. Like he strikes out 
more than 10 batters per nine innings, just more than, just more than that, versus Stripling and White, who are both very similar at just over seven. The yeah. big difference, of course, is in the walks, right? Obviously, we know yep. Kikuchi's giving up more than five per nine. Ugh. Mitch White is just under three, and Ross Stripling is just over, or is, is about one and a half. So you can just see right away that, yeah, obviously White and Strips don't have the strikeout ability of Kikuchi, but they also aren't giving up free passes. The two, the two, uh, those two guys as well, Strips and White, both give up under one home run per nine innings, whereas Kikuchi is just over two right now. He's given up just Muffin City. It's with him. It's like he's either giving up a walk or a home run, or he's or he's striking them out. Like that's it. That's yeah. all he's got. Yeah. He, he he's not. He can he can't pick <laughs> the corners to save his life. He yeah. Can't. He he just ha- he has no command right now. No. Um, when the balls aren't home runs, like these guys have a pretty similar uh, ball and play stat when that the when the when the balls aren't home runs, like they yeah. all give up anywhere between forty point nine and like forty seven percent of ground balls with White on the low end and and strips on the high end. Kikuchi's in the middle, so like they all it's not like either it's not like they're like fly ball pitchers uh, dependent on it, right? That like they all have a pretty similar ball and play profile. It's just for Kikuchi when the ball is in the air, it's getting tattooed. Let and me tell you problem. something. <laughs> Ever since we got Matt Chapman, Ross Stripling has become unbelievably strong on the mound. Yeah. The team plays with so much confidence because Chapman, I understand that if you look at very deep into the outs above average metrics individually yeah. for Chapman, he's an average fielder. However, he has elevated the game of everybody around him mm-hmm. to the point where the Jays are one of the top defending teams. Bo and Espinal, if you look at their outs above average, are up. Espinal is one of the best fielders in the league, by the way, which is crazy to think of. Um, just a phenomenal second baseman. And I'm so excited that he's going to be here for you know a good long time. Mm-hmm. But Stripling... Uh, if you look at his performance in 2020 and 2021, no Matt Chapman, go look at his numbers. It's he, he was giving up a ton of of like I wouldn't even say hard contact, but it was just yeah. like balls were constantly getting into the outfield, and the hits would pile up against him, and it seemed like he was always giving up a run every mm-hmm. inning, and it was mm-hmm. like unsustainable yeah uh like other the, than other than that hot period he had from may to july and he got hurt yeah like you you said the thing about the, the outs above average and just to just to piggyback on that yeah like boba shuts out of three this year that's great which is pretty high <laughs> um it's a it's above and like last i think, I think he's on like the 83rd or something percentile at this point yep uh versus last year he was in like the 10th so Having Matt Chapman sharing a side of the infield with Bo has drastically improved, well, not necessarily improved Bo's defense, but it's it's made it so he doesn't have to make the difficult plays because Chapman is there to take some of the, the ground in front of Bo because he can cover so much range. Yep. Whereas Bo is not making as many plays deep in the hole and trying to throw runners out from there because you, you can't as a shortstop. It's very difficult. But this so. goes back to... The com- the way the the confidence the team has behind these guys. Yeah. Uh, Mitch White is new, so he's cu- it's kind of a wash yeah. when discussing this. His pitch profile is kind of similar to Ross Stripling, mm-hmm. and it was mentioned on a Jays broadcast when he was starting that it is kind of a lazy comparison. Guy from the Dodgers gets traded over. They yeah. both have kind of similar stuff. Yeah, it does feel a bit lazy. At the same time, we're gonna ro- roll with it anyway. I think Mitch White slots in just fine in the number five spot for now yeah we can expect similar numbers to what he provided in minnesota that being said uh don't disrespect minnesota they're a good team and they had guys who came in hot and they continue to be hot at the plate then mitch white got gave up you know yeah he's gonna be the guy who probably goes twice through the order and you hope that gives him five-ish innings basically what ross tripling was last year and the year before and this year too really, and, is what, that's kind of how they've used them. yes uh strips I, it looks like 
it's not a guarantee, but it, it's basically 75 pitches, and then he's yeah, he's, yeah. he's somewhere out the in game. that, which is usually about two times through if if he's pitching like he typically does. But yep, yeah, which no, is enough. Which he's is gotten fine. us tons of wins. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If if you can keep the opposing lineup to one run or two runs two times for the order you're you're doing okay as long as your team is scoring runs for you but no i i think uh i know you and i are in agreement on this but obviously the the jays have said that yeah kikuchi is going to keep getting chances but that was before his dumpster fire in baltimore um and i just don't know how they can in a playoff race continue to put this guy out there but. If you yeah, at the end of the season we'll look back and if the Jays didn't make the playoffs, I'm telling you, I this is the top thing that I'm gonna blame is gonna be uh, you say Kikuchi. <laughs> Kikuchi and the terrible performance and the fact that he was thrown out there. Yeah. I understand some people made the claim that they, there is nobody else, but and that's partly true, but with Ross Stripling returning from the aisle, he's yeah. got a rehab start, I think, tomorrow. Yeah. And then after that, he should be back and probably ready to pitch. Hopefully, yeah, he's back at 100% and, and can get right back into his groove. Yeah, and thanks to the rain out yesterday and then the off day today, the Blue Jays can kind of shuffle the rotation a little bit um, to keep some guys on regular rest and to bump the Kikuchi start to the point where potentially Stripling is able to fill it on the next turn, you know? It'll be interesting to see. I mean, we've projected what the the starting pitchers are going to be for the series against yeah. Cleveland. They may be incorrect, but we'll roll with them for now. They're the probables that have been pumped out by MLB as well as uh, another website that we typically use for probable mm-hmm. pitchers. So it'll be interesting to see how accurate they are. Yeah, uh, the, the stats aren't going to change, so we can at least talk about the individual pitchers. Yeah, uh, all the all that they all was made known after the rainout happened yesterday was that it was going to be Barrios making the start on Friday. Yeah, as he was supposed to start on Wednesday, but ultimately didn't, which is probably a better thing for him because he's way better at home than he is on the road. Way better at That's home. Insane. That's why him, him and Gosman have like reverse home road splits this year, which is kind of funny. It is uh, kind of funny, but, but you know what isn't yeah. funny? Um losing baseball games because of you say kikuchi yeah (laughs) i don't want to we'll see what happens uh obviously the jays haven't released their starters for the second and third games of the cleveland series yet so we don't we don't we're in the dark as well as everybody else but we'll do our best to predict that a little bit later on the show um the next piece i want to talk about before we get into the standings a little bit here patrick we can can cover this one pretty quickly uh the blue jays signed jackie bradley jr who had been released by boston um to a one-year mlb contract he's on the roster he appeared as a defensive replacement in one of the baltimore games Mm -hmm. Uh, this gives the blue jays another lefty bat but it also makes it so that three of their bench players now in bradley jr tapia and zimmer are all left-handed outfielders with bradley jr and, and zimmer being low batting average guys Zimmer, obviously, elite defense. And then you've got Tapia, who's a poor defender, but hits for a batting average and generally has driven in, driven in some big runs for the Jays this year. It's And then you have Biggio on the bench, too. He platoons with Espinal, obviously, but he's also lefty bat. So now you've got four lefty bats on the roster, with three of them being, I would say, like, Tapia being about a league average player and the other two being below. <laughs> so what, why why do you think they made this move? I think they saw it as an opportunity to make a very minute upgrade on one of their bench players. Yeah. And they'll roll with it as long as they can Mm -hmm. justify it. But I honestly think the runway is getting very narrow for both Jackie Bradley Jr. and Bradley Zimmer. Some one of the, I don't see why you need both. Zimmer is the better defender. Bradley is the better hitter. However, they're both having terrible seasons at the plate. Yeah. So I don't even know whether offense matters. And if offense doesn't matter at all, then ultimately it comes down to who plays better defense. And the answer is Zimmer. He's also faster on the base paths. Yeah. So it's almost redundant. I just want to circle back, though, to something you said. It's worth noting Kevin Biggio is a better hitter and has better plate vision and is a better defender than both those players 
So yeah, in the outfield though, maybe not as much. Maybe not in the outfield. However, Biggio is the ultimate super utility player mm-hmm. uh, that we have in the organization right now. Right now, his w, WRC plus is one hundred and three, so he's actually better than average. Yeah. As far as uh, being a replacement level player, his OPS right now is around uh, seven hundred, maybe a little bit over seven hundred, which is great considering what a disastrous start to the year Biggio had. So. We he was hot when he returned and he's cooled off a little bit, but he still gives. Yeah. He, there's still power there, uh, although he hasn't quite figured it out. He yeah, has in, speed. In 62 games, he's been worth uh, 1.0 Fangraphs WAR, so he's still providing value. Uh, positive offensive WAR, positive defensive WAR. The other two can't say the same. They both have negative overall value, uh, WAR values. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the team has been categorically reluctant to call up Nathan Lucas for whatever reason. I I won't try to speculate on that and why Bradley Zimmer is a staple to this team. Yeah. Bradley Zimmer is, is, it's almost like he's been treated as though he's on equal level with Kevin Gossman as far as like absolutely has to be on the <laughs> roster. I, I mean, I wish I was joking, but yeah. like there is like a devout loyalty there. It's strange. And and while I don't agree with it, like you know, I guess I'll we'll have to respect the choices of management. I mean, it's not John Schneider who decides who stays and goes, right? No. So he makes the lineup, and yeah. Z- Zimmer certainly hasn't started. No, and and I think the the why did we acquire Whit Merrifield crowd is pretty quiet right now. Especially yeah, what happened to you guys? Especially Everybody once was... uh, once Springer went on the IL, it was a, it was a, oh thank goodness we got Whit Merrifield or else Bradley Zimmer would be starting every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the the thing that interests me, uh, if you look at Whit Merrifield since he has uh, arrived, yeah, uh, he has hit in all but two of those games, and uh, he's looked pretty competent mm-hmm. as a hitter and i don't he's been all right as a base runner he's could, hitting that's 280 whole... in august right now which is essentially how long the blue jays have had him um yeah and yeah he's he's stolen a base he's scored four runs already he's driven in a couple yeah, including that winning run. Can we just address? Yeah, can we just Minnesota say? Thing. <laughs> can we just? Can we just say? I've watched multiple angles of this. I've seen every perspective that I could possibly find on the internet. I don't agree with the overturning of the call, and you can't accuse me of pandering to Twins fans, nor can you accuse me of uh, karma farming because I'm not on. This isn't Reddit. This is the real world. Gary Sanchez made a textbook perfect play. He was not blocking the plate. The The runner had a path. He just got gunned down. And that's the last I'm going to say about that. Yeah, As an umpire, I can tell you that that is one of the toughest calls in baseball to make and or overturn. As the rule does have a lot of room for interpretation which is unfortunate. It's one of those rules in baseball that I think no matter how it gets worded, there's always going to be um, loopholes or ways that they can justify making the opposite call in a review. It's just one of those things where it sucks when it happens because they could call it either way and either way, somebody's going to be mad, right? It's not one of those ones that has yep. like a clear cut. Oh, the foot was on the base first. Like this is one of those kind of timing situational where's the runner coming from what angles he taking to the plate like all those all those things come into effect uh, i do think that in this case the play should not have been overturned as well um i thought mary maryfield did everything that he should have done though yeah to get it overturned so credit yes. to him for doing exactly what what you're taught as a base runner is when you yes. see that catcher doing what the catcher was doing you you go into him the way that he did so maryfield yep. did his job absolutely perfect there the umpires did not, unfortunately. So, the umpires actually made the call of out. Yeah, the umpire. The, the umpires in New York. Um, yeah, yeah. The booth in New York completely, Baba buoyed the call. Uh, the John Boy 
uh, video was perfect. It's very good. If you haven't seen it yet, yeah, go watch. Very, it. very good. It breaks it down pretty much to exactly what I think the right call is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I understand Jays fans are going to defend the, the, the Jays, but <laughs> I don't know. Don't. Yeah. Whatever. It is what it is. Let's move on. Yep. We've we kind of beat the JBJ thing to death at this point. Yeah. I think both guys are running out of runway as far as uh, this season. I don't understand why we don't call up Nathan Lucas at this point. I think he could hit better than 100. Maybe he's not as good a defender as Bradley Bradley Zimmer, but yeah, I I just like I'm concerned. You win games with runs. I'm concerned about the playoff roster when you've got two guys in Zimmer and, and JBJ that are purely there for defense and, and base running. Like, yeah, you might need yeah. a stolen base, but if your team ties the game and you've got to pull out George Springer for Bradley Zimmer and in that spot and the, and the order comes up in an extra inning or something, then you shot yourself in the foot, you know? Yep. So we'll see how it goes. There's still obviously a month and a half left of baseball in the regular season. So let's take with that said, let's take a look at the standings. Uh, currently, Patrick, the division leaders in the American League are the Yankees, the Astros, and the Guardians. The Yankees and Astros are tied for the top record at 71 and 41. In the wild card race, the Jays currently do still hold the top wild card spot. They're at yep. 60 wins, 50 losses, a half game ahead of Seattle who has played three more games in the Jays at this point in time. They may play again tonight. I'm not sure. I haven't looked at the schedule. And then you've got Baltimore, who are only two games behind the Blue Jays now after winning those two games before the third was rained out. Uh, then you've also got Tampa Bay tied with Baltimore. So you've got three AL East teams currently battling for, for those wild card spots with Tampa and Baltimore being tied right now. And then right on their heels, you've got Minnesota a game back. The Twins are also only a game back of the Guardians in their division. Whichever team finishes second in the American League Central is going to be in contention for the third wildcard spot, but you may only see one team from that division make it. Yeah. Um, and obviously, Houston is like 10 games ahead of Seattle at this point. They have a very similar lead to what the Yankees have on the Jays. Yeah. Um, behind the Twins, you've got the White Sox. They're two and a half games behind Baltimore and Tampa right now. And then five games behind Baltimore and Tampa is, is Boston. So you've still got all five Hill East teams in contention. Boston is fading. They're kind of going the wrong direction lately. Uh, they just got the news that Chris Sale suffered like a broken wrist or something in a bike accident. Uh, yeah. I don't know if he was hanging out with Tatis Jr., but uh, those two guys should both be kept away from motorbikes and bikes forever at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, this this uh, this wildcard race is, is tightening up, Patrick. You've got really five t- or six teams if you include the White Sox. I think Boston's... A little bit out right now, but I mean, five games isn't insurmountable. So really, you've, you've got seven teams battling for three spots right now, all within yep. seven games of each other. And actually, I made a boo-boo. Uh, I actually pulled these before the other games had completed. So oh, okay. Houston is actually first place in uh, over the Yankees right oh, now because they won. Yep. Uh, Chicago lost. Mm-hmm. So right now it goes... The the teams that are in are still in. Minnesota is a game behind, but, but the White Sox are now three games behind. Uh, okay. Uh, and Boston are, st- of course, still five games behind. Baltimore and Tampa are tied. Yeah, I'll, just, I'll just pull it up on my screen here. Oh, yeah, yeah I just kind about. of I boofed it. And then the <laughs> Orioles and Red Sox are playing today. Okay, so that'll, that'll impact one of those, so, both of those teams. That's a big, big game there. But big that being said, let's focus on the, the Blue Jays part of this. Yeah, so they're uh, still in a playoff spot, but it's not comfortable. <laughs> no, not even by a stretch. Uh, but it hasn't been comfortable all year, so that's right. not really a surprise. Yeah. Let's point out the obvious, though. With 13 games left to play against Baltimore... Basically, whatever team wins the majority of those games, they're probably going to be the team to make the playoffs, and the other team uh, is going to be potentially on the outside looking in. They're done their games against Seattle, and they have nine games against the Rays. So if the Jays want to make the playoffs, they're going to have to to outperform both of those teams. Yeah, They do still have 
uh, I think six seven games against seven against the Yankees. I think still six or seven. And then a few, the three or six against the Red Sox. I don't remember. Yeah, and obviously they play Cleveland starting now. tomorrow for three, yeah. and Cleveland is battling with the White Sox for the division slash wild card right now too. So yeah, Cleveland's bounced back. They we are, thought they uh, were dead. We thought they were dead in the water. Uh, we thought the White Sox were dead too. The White Sox are going to be without Tim Anderson for another six weeks. He has a torn wow. ligament in his middle finger on his, I think, left hand or something. Terrible year for him. Yeah, he heard it. Repeated in, injuries. In a swing. Yeah, so that's that's tough for them. Um, yeah, they they seem to always have injury issues there between their young stars. But yeah, it's going to be interesting that in that Central because you've got Cleveland, Minnesota, and Chicago all within a two and a half games of each other. So. I think because of the way that the schedule works, the way that we see the standings now, it's going to be very, very similar, but it might even be tighter because, yeah. again, unless Toronto stomps, Toronto must stomp one of Baltimore or Tampa in order to get into the playoffs. With 50 games left, I think a majority of those are all interdivision games. Mm-hmm. It's not impossible to catch the Yankees anymore because they have fallen back to earth it's still a 10 game lead though for the Yankees. it is but how many games against the yankees are left? seven i believe it's six or seven it's not it's not inconceivable to win no. the division anymore but the focus really has to be on beating baltimore and tampa you got to win more games against those two teams uh like because well obviously you have to win more games than the other teams <laughs> But what I'm getting at is that they have to outperform Baltimore in the those games against one another, and they, or they have to do it against Tampa yeah. or both. Both yeah. would guarantee a wild card spot pretty much, uh, and potentially get them closer to the division. You would love to host you... the wild card though if you're the Blue Jays, so that yeah. that first spot is important because of the vaccine rules. That's the one time in the year when it would truly be an advantage. Uh, allegedly some of the people that weren't vaccinated earlier in the season have gotten vaccinated. There are a couple of Baltimore players that are apparently both now vaccinated that weren't originally. Yeah. Santander was one of them. And then there was a he's pitcher, a I believe too. Yeah. He's on yeah. a hot streak right now too, but he's on a heater, but yeah, so are Baltimore. It still could come down to it where you might play a team that is without a key starter or a key player that, uh, can't fly to Toronto for those three wildcard games. And that could be a big boost. So, is what it well, is. I mean, if it's Seattle, think about it. Robbie Ray can't start. Yeah, unless he unless he's been vaccinated since. But that's pro- that's one of the reasons that I think they went out and got Castillo is is for that kind of situation. Is the, a playoff series. Not only is he a great pitcher, but he's already been to Toronto this year, so <laughs> they know he yep. can. You know, they know he can travel. Um, let's move to the National League. Uh, I'm excited about this. Talk about the divisions first. Uh, the Dodgers have the West all but wrapped up. They're 16 games up on the Padres, who are in second. Um, yeah. Not even Juan Soto can win or can overcome that deficit for them. The well, East, the East has the Mets seven games up on Atlanta. The Phillies are ten and a half back there, uh, with Miami and Washington out of it. And then in the Central, this is a big battle. You've got St. Louis currently leading Milwaukee by a half game, uh, which is really fun. The National League Wild Card is a very similar situation there, Patrick, where that. That central team, the, the the Cards or the Brewers, I would right now be on the outside looking in. Like the Brew Crew are a game out of the wild card right now. The current yeah. wild card is Atlanta, who are four games up on the Phillies, who are a half game up on the Padres, who are one game up on Milwaukee. So it's Atlanta, Philly, and San Diego in the wild card there right now. Milwaukee is the only other team who's close. San Francisco are seven and a half out. So it's really a four-team race. Um, yep for those three wild card spots with either St. Louis or Milwaukee potentially not making the playoffs if they don't win the division. So it's interesting there. Do you know be very interesting is what happens if San Diego misses the playoffs? Can you imagine? Yeah, that would be insane. <laughs> they are they're only hovering uh at five hundred their last ten games. Phil Philly is on an absolute heater, as are the Mets, as are the Dodgers. And then, you, I don't know, I don't know, man. I think I would not bet against Milwaukee getting into the wild card and San Diego being on the on the outside looking in. It's not impossible. That would be uh, 
That'd be something. Yep. <laughs> Milwaukee might have a lot of games left against the Pirates, the Reds, and the Cubs, who all have similar records, 20 games below 500 or something yeah, they're like bad. that. Bad it's, teams are bad. And I mean, see, yeah. that being said, St. Louis might have the same for, you know fortune of playing all those teams as well yep. down the stretch. And San Diego is probably not done their games against the Dodgers. And San Francisco, while they're out of it, they're, they're a tougher opponent than the Cubs, Reds, or yeah, they, uh, the Pirates. Yeah, they still could play spoiler. They do still have a positive run differential on the season, so it's not like they're just going to roll over. No, 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 no. Yeah. I'm just saying as oh, yeah, far yeah, as yeah, like strength of opponents, yep. Yep. Uh, it does not... I, I would not put a lot of money on San Diego uh, getting into the playoffs knowing that it it could be that they hover around 500 and just can't get on a good streak while Mm -hmm. you know milwaukee gets to beat up on its very weak uh division same with st louis and it might just make it impossible yeah so really i think the x factor is philly yeah and philly and the mets are playing this weekend so that's that should be a fun series (laughs) yeah i think it's going to be a a bloodbath. Both yeah. teams are super hot. While Philadelphia lost today, and Bruce Hooper is on the the IL. Yeah. Um. They're both looking real good right now. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's. I think the NL is actually more interesting because I don't. <laughs> it's tighter. Not really. You've only it, got. It could you've be, only got four teams who are fighting there versus like seven in the American League. Still. I know, but it's the rivalry amongst those teams is much yeah. more interesting, I think. But that being said, like obviously, having three divisional rivals fight over three wild card spots with Seattle kind mm-hmm. of being uh, in the middle of that AL East sandwich. Is yeah, kinda... look, and and like Baltimore and Tampa Bay are playing this weekend, and they're tied right now. Well, they won't be after today because Tampa's off and Baltimore's playing, but they're within a half game of each other no matter what happens tonight. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be a big series. It's in Baltimore. And then obviously uh, Seattle's playing at Texas, who have been playing a lot better the second half but aren't really doing much right now. No. Um, and they're still too far out to make any difference. And then you've got um, the Yankees in, at Fenway, so hopefully Boston can – play spoiler a little bit and bring the Yankees a little bit closer or else the Yankees just bury the Red Sox further down the standings. One of those two things will happen. So that's going to make the wild card a little bit more interesting anyway. Um, before we get to Cleveland, Patrick, let's talk about Teoscar Hernandez because this we haven't, we haven't been given enough lovelies lately. I don't think. I think because he had such a tough start to the season. And also I think just the fact that, there have been other players like Guriel has been on an insane hot streak. Kirk was so hot for a while. Vladdy's been on a heater. Like he's got a 20. Chappie was streak. on a heater too. Yeah. For Chappie's a while on a heater. And... Yeah. Jano was, was hitting home runs for a while there. Like there's been so many different players who have kind of overshadowed Teoscar and he's just kind of quietly been going about his business and playing incredibly well lately. This article that was written on fan graphs, Mm-hmm. was really sparked my interest because yeah, I was thinking to myself... Ben Clements like, was the author of this one, by the way. Very... Uh, shout out to him. Yep. Very... I was kind of like, oh, man, Tasker, is he... Like, what happened? He really fell off. If you look at his numbers, he's on track to be just as good, as, if not possibly, if he stays on this <laughs> heater, better than he was during yeah. both years he was Silver Slugger. So... Justin, break it down for me. What's changed with Teoscar? Sure. Well, he, he points it out right away. Um, he, he shows kind of the the splits of the season so far for Teoscar, and he broke it into yeah. into thirds. The first third of the season that Teoscar has played on, he had a 90 WRC plus with average being 100. The second third, he was at 133. And then yeah. the most recent third of the season, he was hitting, he was at a 165 WRC plus. So it's pretty good. Sixty-five percent better than than average. Um, the big thing that that Ben points out in this article is Teoscar's first pitch swing rate. Now, in his career, before this season, Teoscar swung at thirty-five point three percent of first pitches. So one of the three pitches, or so, he was swinging at on the first pitch. In the first two months this year, he was at 35% on the 
on OO counts. Um, the league average is about 30%. And for his career, Teoscar ranked in the 88th percentile among players and first pitch swing rates, so very high. He made a that change this year, though, Patrick. If you look at Teoscar's rolling first pitch uh, swing samples, his swing rate uh, just just before he got to 200 plate appearances this year, around like 175, it dropped to below 30%. And it's been rolling in between like 20 and 27%. Or sorry, between 15 and 27% for the rest for the entire season since then. Now, the the guys on the broadcast actually pointed something out the other day about Kevin Biggio when the Jays were playing at Baltimore. How Biggio has the best batting average on balls that he puts in play on the first swing. And he actually has the he and he swings at the first pitch the least in baseball. He was hitting something like four eighty five or something crazy when he hit when he puts the first pitch yeah. in play. And that's because sometimes he goes up there and looks for a fastball because oftentimes they'll just try and pump him in, pump one in on him for it to get ahead. And every once in a while he'll ambush it. Uh, which he did on that home run in Baltimore the other night. But right now, like Teoscar was getting a ton of curveballs, right? Because pitchers knew he was swinging at most at a third of the time on that first pitch. They were trying to throw him something that wasn't a strike or wasn't an easy pitch to hit. And now they're not doing that against him <laughs> because he's he's basically like he's getting fastballs. Like last year, 62 percent of the first pitches he got were fastballs. This season, it went down to 46 <laughs> percent because. Yeah pitchers are knowing that he's he's swinging a bunch right and now he's not so now they're not able to throw him those those junkers anymore they've actually got to make a competitive pitch it's interesting um what i thought was interesting about some of the metrics that were shown is that in the last third of this of the year yeah with tasker and end swing rate he's swinging his the percentage that he's swinging overall down right it's it's yeah he's not chasing shadow pitches which they're defining as like on the edges. on the edges of the yeah. strike zone it's it's down to about 32 33% which was way down from 44 at the beginning yeah. of the year and his chase rate is uh only 9.1% so he's only he's swinging like a really low portion of the time when it's out of the zone his waste percentage is up like a negligible amount. I think he's swung at like maybe one or two yeah. waste pitches. Just, I don't know why, who knows, but um, it's getting to the point now where Teoscar Hernandez is, while he may not have uh, the RBI numbers that he had last year, uh, he actually, he's on a very interesting like heater where it's like, mm -hmm. he's making great contact uh, and I, I, I don't think his average will crack back up to, to 300 or 296, what, what it was last year, but he actually might get pretty close to 25, 26 home runs. I think 30 is out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, he's, he's at 16 now with 50 games to go. So that would be, a, that would be yeah. a, a big tear, but I mean. If you look at it, his his overall season right now, he's at a 128 WRC plus. He won a Silver Slugger with a 132 last year, yeah. so he's he's not really his, playing much differently than yeah, he did his, last year. His slug is down at 30 points from yeah. last year. However, the last time I looked at the metrics, Tasker Hernandez's slug was overall for the season. Mm -hmm. uh puts him fourth among outfielders so yeah. obviously there's no catching aaron judge of course not, uh, not at this point no um in fact i would guess that he's probably on has the inside track for the hank aaron award aaron judge as he should um but it's not inconceivable depending on how these fi this final 50 games go that task hernandez could repeat a silver slugger again i mean that's what I want to see for him because I think it would also mean success for the Jays. Yeah. But he's 64 uh, RBIs behind last year's pace with 50 games left. Now, he only played 143 games last season. So 
even if he played every game for the rest of the year, he's still only going to hit 150-something games, and he won't play every game for the rest of the year. So he's not going to hit 30 home runs or 100 RBIs again. However, uh, the numbers may actually – he may finish the year with better numbers than he did last year um, if you look at averages and percentages. So it could be interesting down the stretch to see how he's deployed. I know that they've tried Bo at fourth, and it w- didn't, didn't go last long. <laughs> no, it did not go well at all. Yeah, and now Bo is finally. <laughs> yeah, I think they need to go back to uh, going Springer or Guriel if Springer's not available, uh, and then Bo at second, Vladdy at third. I, I don't think Bo hasn't earned that that those at bats this year. Obviously, he had a nice a nice road trip where he kind of picked yeah. his, his numbers up a little bit. But overall in the season, like, the guy has a 105 WRC+. Plus. He hasn't he hasn't earned okay. two in the batting order. I think, that's I think, fair. I think five or six is where he should be right now. And that takes Kirk the has cooled off, off though. Kirk has cooled off, but he, he's getting he's, – he got back, back on the horse after he had, like, that over 22 or something. He's yeah, had a few hits his, the last couple of games. Hit, don't look up his slug in recent yeah, I won't. months. Yeah. It's not good, but he obviously uh, for a catcher hitting 305 is pretty fucking yeah. sensational. Yeah. Um and again he's only 23 years old. He is as young as Vladdy and Bo. Yeah. It, so. It's it's pretty crazy that there are players being drafted who played in college that are basically the same age as Bo Vladdy and and, and Kirk and Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Kevin. yeah. Oh, it's kind of it's it's it. interesting too with Teoscar where they're in a predicament where they have one more year of arbitration with him. Yeah, they've had their shots to sign him long term and they've declined to do so two off seasons in a row. I don't know what they're waiting on. I I'm starting to suspect that Teoscar Hernandez might actually not be in the long term plans, which would be pretty disappointing. Uh, given you know he is a far above average hitter and you know whatever fielder i mean he drives in runs he drives the offense to a big extent do you think do you think an extension it's like it's now or or never like if he goes to free agency he gone um i don't think that's a foregone conclusion i think i think teoscar has earned the right to get his money Obviously, with his his last two yeah. Silver Slugger seasons, with the shortened season and then the full season last year, he's proven that he can be <laughs> consistent over the last like three hundred plus games now. Um, and I think that he deserves to see what other teams are offering for his services. I hope ultimately that he chooses to stay in Toronto, and I hope that the team chooses to make him a good offer. But at the end of the day, I think Teoscar, the player, uh, has earned the right to to see what else is out there you know fair it'll be interesting to see it what how they roll with it um i want to talk about the weekend series yeah i am I, I i don't know i don't hate cleveland uh i'm glad they changed their name <laughs> um but we're getting like the their best all three of their best pitchers coming up here, and it's not, it's not ideal. Uh, so let's preview that series, Justin. Yes, sir. Game one, Friday, August twelfth. It's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be a good one. We've got Canadian Cal Quantrill making the start against Jose Barrios. We mentioned Barrios was getting pushed back from the when, uh, from the Wednesday rainout game in Baltimore. Uh, Quantrill. Having a having a pretty good season for the for the Guardians, Patrick. He's eight and five with an ERA below four. Brios, on the other hand, he's eight and four and with ERA just over five. He had a rough one uh, against uh, the Twins, his uh, homecoming for him, a team that he pitched for for his first years in the big leagues. Uh, and yep. Brios has kind of had those up and downers where he's seemed to rebound the next time out, and he's been very good at home so far. I wish they could they had a savant breakdown for home and away for within this season like in terms of like can the you look up the splits stuff. 
he, oh, he I see splits, what you're saying. But yeah. I mean, like for like his exit velocity, and all, that, all, the, all those numbers yeah. at home. I wish they had that for their breakdown because I'd be really curious to see if the the underlying metrics actually back up what's happened in reality. Just just as out of my curiosity. Um, but Brios, yeah, he's he's kind of had a couple of rough starts in a row now. I guess you could say, but it's a good chance for him to rebound uh, at home against Quantrill. Quantrill's doing really well in terms of chase rate. Both him and Brios rank high above the uh, high in the league. Uh, and Chase Quantrill doesn't give up a ton of hard hits, which is great for him. He doesn't walk a ton of guys, neither does Brios. They're very similar pitchers outside of the fact that their hard hit and exit velocity numbers are on like the opposite ends of the spectrum. Besides that, their numbers are actually pretty similar. Brios is it. a better strikeout, but he's also gotten a snot hit out of him far yeah. more than Quantrill this year. Yeah. That being said, uh, it's an interesting matchup, and I, mm-hmm. because of how well Barrios pitches at home, I do, I don't know. I'm interested to see how this pans out. Yeah. I am a huge fan of Cal Quantrill, as uh, I am a fan as well of his father Paul, who pitched for toronto many years ago that's why cal is uh in fact canadian uh has he said anything about the world baseball classic it will uh, he pitch for canada not that i've heard but i don't follow the guardians so i don't know i'm that's sure they'll, i'm sure it'll come up this weekend they'll probably talk uh, about it on base on blue jay central tomorrow <laughs> probably saturday august 13th uh 307 eastern time uh tristan mckenzie uh, uh for the guardians will face off against presumably most likely mitch white i wouldn't say most likely but if the jays keep the rotation the way it has been and don't skip anybody then yes it'll be mitch white well it'll be him or the gas man yeah one or the other uh kevin gossman well let's just stick i mean mitch is probably going to start one of these games so we might as well discuss his metrics anyway we kind of already dabbled in it a little bit uh mitch is great at limiting hard hit uh contact he's got uh a very average fastball when it comes to velo better than normal spin rate um not really a a strikeout pitcher um i don't know what else there is to say about him really average for giving up walks he's just kind of i don't know it's like you know how when you open up the fridge and you're hungry but you might be lazy and you just see something in there and you're like, yeah, I'll eat that. I guess that's kind of <laughs> how I feel about Mitch White. He's just like, he's there. Yeah. He's, okay. kind of, he's, he's there. He's a back end starter. Uh, Tristan McKenzie's yeah. having a pretty good season for the guardians as well. Patrick. Uh, Absolutely. Great pitcher. Very exciting to watch too. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty high, like two thirds of uh, above Alex. Like, so above, above average strikeouts, above average for limiting walks, gets a, a lot of whips high spin rate um, does give up some hard contact but uh, if you're going to reach base against him you've got to do it by getting a hit because he, like I said he's not going to walk a ton of people mm-hmm. uh, both of these guys I think are going to be around the strike zone uh, it'll be interesting to see it, it's going to come down I think maybe a, a defensive miscue in this one as, as both of these guys seem to limit base runners in terms of strikeouts walks and, and hits so Hopefully, uh, hopefully it's a it should be a close game. I'm I'm hoping the Jays can pull that one out because McKenzie's having a great season. He is, yeah. I'm gonna make a very bold prediction and say Tristan McKenzie leads the game with ten strikeouts, uh, regardless of what inning it is. Mm-hmm. He, ju- I just feel like we are about to get run into a buzzsaw named Tristan McKenzie. Like I feel like he is. <laughs> going to chew us up and spit yeah. us out well for the blue jays sake hopefully that's not the case because on <laughs> sunday uh 137 start time they've got to go up against shane bieber the bees the cleveland ace is having another solid year he's got a 321 era uh so far he's near the top of the league in terms of limiting walks getting a high amount of whips uh, doesn't give up or does give up some hard contact uh, and, he, and he may pitch against Kevin Gosman. We, we think Gosman's going to pitch in one game this weekend. Gosman, on the other hand, Patrick, he's near the among the lead leaders in terms of limiting walks. He's very high in strikeouts, 99th percentile in chase rate, uh, gets a high amount of whiffs, great fastball velo, pretty good spin. And his uh, 
average exit velocity and hard hit numbers have been improving steadily all season. The Jays, after my uh, Twitter rant a few weeks ago, um, and, and a little bit before then, they've they've been shifting a lot less with Gosman on the mound because he was getting burned a lot early in the season by hits who were beating the shift. So interesting to see, obviously, a battle of aces. I would love to see Gosman pitch against Bieber just so we could s- truly get the battle of aces. It would be yeah. just a fun game to watch on a Sunday afternoon. I'm interested. And I'll say this, too. I found this really interesting. I look up... Uh, somebody said this, whether it was on Reddit or Twitter or somewhere on social media, that Kevin Gossman, in his like previous nine... T- out of his previous 10 starts, and nine of them, his the total run support was 27 runs, mm-hmm. while that 10th game was the 28-5 to <laughs> blowout. Yeah. So this is something that people are probably already aware of that Gossman has gotten uh, very little run support during this season. And that's why his record doesn't look great. I would that's imagine. That's why we don't talk about records on BFMB. I know. that's what, And <laughs> the same probably goes for Shane Bieber. His ERA is very similar and he's a strikeout king yep. uh, despite his, you know, Velo not being quite there, he get just he just gets guys to chase. Um, and the Beavs is only seven and six. And but I mean, again, records don't really matter if you look at the metrics. This is a really sexy matchup. I'm really hoping this is what Sunday afternoon's game is. Uh, ideally, the Jays take two of three, but it's going to be really hard because there's a couple of really hot hitters uh, on Cleveland right now. I yeah. checked. These two guys have the highest OPS since the All-Star break among their players. The rest of them are pretty pedestrian, uh, including Jose uh, Ramirez, but he is not to be underestimated not by <laughs> any means. Uh, Andres uh, Jimenez uh, is on a bit of a heater. Uh, in his last 30 games, he's got an OPS very close to 900. Uh, he's doing it all with, with contact. He's scored bucket loads of runs uh he is also very fast on the base paths he's he's just going to be a a very pesky uh presence i think on the base paths this weekend steven kwan very similar story not doing it with power but he is doing it with uh contact ability he's hitting 349 in his last 30 games that's unbelievable yeah he got off to a really hot start in april too everybody was talking about him yeah and then he fell back to earth and now he's back up on top of the mountain and yep. it'll be really interesting to see the lineup construction of cleveland given the fact that they've got so many of their regulars uh really struggling at the plate since the all-star break it's really i think the the these two guys will be the x factor at the plate uh this weekend you watch i say all of this and they'll both be oh for whatever <laughs> the whole <laughs> yeah, every time I do, I put in the effort to try to research this shit. It blows up in my face. But I uh, let's let's see what happens with these two guys. Obviously, Toronto. Uh, we've got four guys on uh, on their own little streaks here. Chappie, Vladdy, Teoscar, Bo. Are there any of those guys you want to highlight right now? As far as like uh, who you think might be a big factor in this I mean, weekend's games? We just we've we've talked uh, we talked a lot about Teoscar. Um, Vladdy's yeah. on that 20 game hit streak. Uh, Matt Chapman, I think, is an interesting guy to talk about. He's, he hasn't had a great last week, but he had a, he had a couple of better games in Baltimore. He struggled in in Minneapolis, but I mean, his last 30 games, Patrick's got 11 home runs and OPS yeah. well over 1,000. He's, he's I think he's second in MLB in the last 30 days in terms of OPS. I saw in the Baseball Reference uh, morning stat head. A newsletter that I subscribe to. Um, so obviously one of the hottest players in baseball over the past month and hitting for a ton of power, uh, which you love to see. But I'd like to talk a little bit about Vladdy, I think, because uh, we we know uh, we, we talked about him a lot this year, how he wasn't having a typical Vladimir Guerrero Jr. season. And little by little, he's picked it up and has gotten his average for the season back to 287. So... It was down at like 260 for a bit there, like a month ago. 
257, I think, was its yeah, lowest. Yeah, and he's, been, he's like, been hitting whoa. 339 over the past 30 games with an OPS of just below 1,000. Or just below 900, excuse me. It's at 898. Uh, my math, my mental math is correct. Uh, with four home runs over that time. He's, he's got 41 hits in those last 121 at-bats, so he's just on his absolute heater. Um, yeah, 20-game hit streak, current longest active in baseball. And uh, he's stolen four bases in the past 30 games too, Patrick, and actually leads the Blue Jays in stolen bases uh, <laughs> in the second half of the year. So. All right, then. Yeah, that's a fun fun little trivia fact for you. Uh, now, yeah. <laughs> let's, just, let's just poke at one, a couple things. Uh, if you look at his year to date compared to last year, um, as one does when you're comparing mm. Vladdy, you must compare him to other Vladdies. Uh, the walk rate is a little bit down. The strikeout rate is a little bit up. Yeah. Uh, the isolated power metric is down. Uh, his ISO is down uh, a significant amount. But that being said, he's improved in so many different aspects of his game particularly defensive yep um he won't get a whiff of the uh top two mvp spots no but he, you could argue he's our most valuable player this year right i would say so i mean i i hate to to blame boba but when you've got a guy hitting ahead of you in the lineup for the most part of the year when vladdy was hitting third and bo was hitting second and bo was struggling uh, that definitely impacts the guy hitting behind him, right? We've seen Vladdy really pick it up as he's been moved into that second spot in the batting order. Mm. And I'm just Curiel looking at his on base and then kaboom. Yeah, looking at it. his stats, like he's he he had 320 or 362 plate appearances batting third. His average was 272. He's got 108 plate appearances now batting second, and his average is 343. So yep. I don't want to say that it, obviously we need more of a sample and hopefully he continues batting second the rest of the season so we can get close to similar numbers. But it's definitely interesting that your average goes up 70 points just by, by moving ahead of Boba Shett in the batting order. So. Zip's projections on Fangraphs have him hitting another 13 home runs, scoring 35, or yeah, yeah scoring 35 runs and 35 RBI. So you're still looking at 36 home runs and 100 RBIs, yep. very close to it. Yeah, like he had a, uh, a 136 WRC plus in the three hole, and he's at a 157 in the two hole. So I mean, still well above average production, but it is a significant difference. I expect to see him finish the year very, very, very close to 36 home runs and 100 RBIs, which is is a down year for Vladdy. <laughs> That's a but if that's a down year for you, your your ceiling and your floor is pretty much just the Hall of Fame, and there's not really anywhere else to go. But yeah. he is coming up on uh, some cool uh, milestones. He's got uh, 95 home runs right now, so he's five away from 100, and he so he would hit 100 home runs uh, before he turns 24. Yeah, and before he's he plays cool. in 500 games too. If he does it. Yeah, which isn't very, really very uh, he's got very common. Either. 40 47 games to, to hit five home runs. I think he, I think he does it. <laughs> oh, I think he'll triple that pretty <laughs> pretty easily. But he's also uh, I think he's also coming up on five. He's got 493 hits. Yep. Just recently hit his 300 single. Uh, so he is uh, seven hits away from 500 hits as a 23 year old. Mm -hmm. So I mean. Uh, the only comparison I can think of really when it comes to Vladdy is like his ceiling is probably Albert Pujols and his floor is probably Frank Thomas. That's pretty wild. Pretty fuck, pretty Speaking of good. Albert, he went four for five with a dinger yesterday. You gotta love, look. Turn it back the clock, man. I'm telling you, he's like 50 years old, but he's still hitting. And Every they're in, in a while. playoff spots. We might actually get to see uh, playoff, playoff Albert. Albert. Hell yeah. Now they, they played today and they lost. Yeah. Um, which obviously will impact the race that we previously discussed, but uh, I don't think Pujols played today. So yeah. Anyway, um, regardless, Vladdy's been on a, a on a good streak, and hopefully that continues because the Blue Jays are going to need him 
this this weekend, Patrick, because this yeah. this Guardians team is is no joke. Um, fun thing that's happening right now: the uh, the Field of Dreams game is is on right now. It's the yeah. Cub- Cubs and the <laughs> and the Reds this year. Two teams that everybody cares about because they're battling for their playoff lives. He said sarcastically. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's 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 interesting. That's always a fun game to watch. So if you're I, interested in checking I'd out like to team. understand more, Justin, about why they pick the teams they pick. I understand that these two teams are rivals, but they're they're so they were clearly on, never on track to have good seasons. So I why? think they picked they like they've picked both years teams that have been around for a long time have a ton of history and they're both wearing like old school jerseys yeah i don't know it's it, it's a it's a retro fact it's just a it's a gimmick right like it's a fun thing i'm not i'm not putting too much thought into it <laughs> it's not do you want to know fun fact i power. learned today sure do you know who owns the field of dreams it's frank thomas that's pretty cool there was a cool article uh on reddit if you're if you've you've got it Go check it out. It talks about how uh, Frank Thomas is a part of the ownership group for that Field of Dreams, hmm. uh, like the 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 yeah the field as well as like the surrounding area. And I guess they're they're looking. There's like plans to develop the area all around it, so that way kids can cut like. There's going to be tons of fields, but it's it's going to be spread out in a way that it won't impact the integrity of that field of dreams field. Yeah. Uh, so there won't be a field of dreams game next year because of all the construction that will be taking place. Gotcha. Uh, however, by the time 2023 comes around, there will be they they'll be able to plan like a whole friggin' weekend around this thing. It's just pretty it's it was pretty amazing to read i can't find like where you can find the article right now but it's out there if you uh if you want you can just google uh i think it's field of dreams construction uh and you can find out all about it uh and find out that yeah frank thomas is actually uh a part of the ownership of of that area that's kind of cool so he's he's given back to the game, even though he's the big hurt is done with his playing days. I thought that was really cool. That is neat. That's a fun little trivia fact. I know Frank Thomas is one of my favorite players growing up. So like this is like a win win. <laughs> it's kind of cool to see him like go out and do this stuff, and then on top of that, he did get to play some games with the Jays, even though it it wasn't really. It was very unceremonious. Yeah, I mean, I just love me some Frank Thomas. He's a one of the all time greats for sure. But uh, that'll do it for us today. You can find us on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. Please DM or tweet us any questions you've got, any topics you want us to cover. You can listen to the show on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. The website is bfmdpodcast.com. You can listen there as well. Thank you, as always, for taking the time to listen to this episode. Please leave us a review of five stars or less. For Patrick out in Halifax... Justin here in Saskatoon. We'll see you after the weekend series. Enjoy. Enjoy.